Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Wendell Burns, along my counterpart, Savon Morris. How's it going? Going pretty good, man. I feel a little sluggish, but uh, I'm going to make it through. <laughs> Long <laughs> week, man. Long week. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, um, to start off in the first half, we're going to have a, a few NBA topics, um, NFL, and also a couple of album reviews. And um, in the second half, um, we're going to have a, a review of seven. But to start off with um, the breaking news of Clay Thompson's season-ending injury and what this means for him in the Warriors' future, um, he tore his right Achilles tendon and is expected to miss the entire upcoming season. Um, he's already 17 months removed from the ACL tear in his left knee that took away from the finals. That took him away from the finals, and this is just the type of injury that can just interrupt a player's basic movements. And he's been um, just so durable and a highly driven and zero maintenance type of star, but also only missed just 25 total games in his first eight years in the league. Um, but what are your thoughts on how this unfortunate injury, um, as this as this is a really unfortunate in- injury that just not only takes away, um, you know, what Clay can do in the present, but also the Warriors, as you know, their best players are getting deeper in their thirties and still want to have um, title opportunities down the road. You know, it's, it's just a crazy, 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 crazy moment for him, not just for him, but for the entire organization, for the Warriors fans, just people who love basketball. See a person like me, I, I'm a big fan of Clay Thompson. I really want him to leave the Warriors just to mm. see what he can do. But when it comes to this, it was we all knew it was going to be take a miracle to come back and be the same splash brother uh, in just like this top-notch, you know, shooter, finisher, the whole nine. But then you get injured again while you're trying to get back and, you know, get back and swinging things. That has to be like really demeaning to just like your mental life, bro. I did all this and yeah. now I have to sit out another and restart. year and now I have to restart. So it's kind of like, man, is it worth it? But I think he's he's one of those one of those players that's going to look at it like, well, I have no other choice. I, I want to play. I have so many years left under mm-hmm. under my uh, my tenure. But I don't want him to be like a Brandon Roy or uh, uh, a Derrick Rose or yeah, or it just keep Hill. happening. Yeah, it keeps happening. You can't get over that hump of injuries. So we we see uh, Steph Curry have a, a a couple injuries in his career. He's come back, and I think the same thing will happen with Clay Thompson. But just, I mean, he has to be patient. Got to wait a whole nother year. He can be the same shooter, but not the same defender, probably. Because I think probably that's the, the the two the two way ability is the thing that's going to probably be taken away um, from him. And, and I mean, when you look at what at just what the Warriors have, they can still be. Um, you know, a, a, a playoff team, but they're not going to be the same contender because I think with with Clay, if Clay had had been healthy, they would have been there at the top. You know, three units. Like before this injury happened, like what were kind of your expectations for what the Warriors could have been this season? Top five in the West for sure. Top yeah. five in the West. I like Denver. How Denver looked in the bubble. Uh, Clippers made some moves. Lost some guy. Lakers had made some moves in the free agents. A, a lot of moves. So I was just like, hmm. I mean, they have Andrew Wiggins. Clay was going to come back. Steph um, and some other plethora of guys. Kelly now, Oubre now. Now Clay Thompson is out. One of the best guys on the team. Now it's kind of like mm, Andrew Wiggins is in a decline. I'm still on the fence about him, mm-hmm. but mm, it's going to be interesting. I don't know. I still think they're top top seven. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Top five. Mm, not I'm not much. sure, but I'm, I'm willing. I want to see what uh, Steph Curry can do. Yeah, I'm really intrigued. I'm really intrigued to see what he does without the 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 sustaining help that he's that he's usually had. Right, and they could close it out with the uh, Raptors without Klay Thompson. So you know, that plays a factor as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, now transitioning to CP3 heading to the Suns and just how this can benefit Phoenix and Devin Booker. Um, Chris Paul was re- recently traded along with um, Abdo Nader to the Suns in exchange for Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio. Ty Jerome, uh, Jalen Leck, and a 2022 uh, uh, first-round pick. And the Suns have been very vocal about, about making the playoffs for the first time since 2010. And Paul's performance in the clutch is, is just so valuable as he's averaged 3.5 points in the last five minutes of each game. And another big question is how he will coexist with Devin Booker. And even though um, they're ball do, both ball-dominant guards, um, CP3 has to lead more. But, but what are your thoughts on this trade for Phoenix as they try to make the postseason with the new Booker and, and Paul Pering? Ooh, um, 
See, that's that's tough. I think they're still going to be trash. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I love Devin Booker. I love CP3. Well, I don't love CP3. I like CP3. It was and the only reason why I, I say that because of what Wellens has said. Had to convince you. Had to convince yeah, me. Yeah, you had to convince <laughs> me. I thought he was. And then what he did with OKC, man, with those younger guys. And, you that was know, impressive. Them and it was very impressive. And it just makes you think of what happened in, with Houston. Who was the real problem in Houston? Knock, 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 James Harden, everybody. <laughs> if you didn't know, now you know. So it just, it just goes. So I feel like him going in there, I think he's the guy, even though both are ball dominant, I think those guys can coexist together. I think Devin Booker will be become a more uh, superior shooter. Mm. Because now, like, when he's without CP3 or anybody like Rubio, those guys, um, he had to be everything. Right. We we talked about this a couple of times, like what the, the role of Michael Jordan. They wanted him to be the shooter, want to be the enforcer. They didn't need him to be anything else. Exactly. They didn't. That that's his role. So now the CB three is there. Possibly he could just work, just really focus on being the shooter, the guy who gets buckets. And CB three is going to you know handle everything else because he's a great facilitator, great leader, all the above. That's what Devin but Booker has always wanted to do. Devin Booker has always wanted to, to, to just get buckets and somebody else just kind of like be able to still facilitate right. and, and, and lead the charge. Now you have a guy, of, well, I think he's what, 35? Yeah, 35. CP3's 35? Yeah. Ooh, he might have two years left with him. Um, I'm not sure, but I think it will be a good uh, opportunity for Devin Booker to really hone in on that role and that, you know, doesn't have to be the savior. Mm-hmm. Um, of the the sons, he just be the guy who gets buckets. I think that's what, like you say, that's what he wants. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and after listening to, to James Harden to, to Brooklyn rumors, um, there have been growing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm already assuming you don't like this. Possible <laughs> this new super team for me, Brooklyn. <laughs> oh gosh. You know, and, and there have just been growing rumors. Um, since Russell Westbrook stated his his uh, desire to be out of Houston. And like when you look at this, like Harden wants to be with a contender, even Philly could possibly be another team. And if he ends up with the Nets, you'd have just, you know, a a very um, unique super team to say at the least. Um, Just just these three guys together, it would be just the type of pairing that we hadn't seen in a while. Obviously, he has a history with Kevin Durant back in OKC and they and Durant wants him to come to Brooklyn. And um, he wouldn't be able he would have to kind of be a different version of himself um, not having the ball as much and a lack of an, an abundance of isolation plays. And then on the flip side, yes. the Sixers yeah. are, 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 you know, still an option as in beating Harden with, with an increased amount of shooters. And Simmons would probably be the center of that trade. But kind of just what are your thoughts on if Philly or Brooklyn could be a better situation for Harden um, if Houston approves this trade? Because Houston kind of still does have some type of leverage in the situation. and But Harden at the same time turned down $50 million a year and is really adamant about going to a contender. Nobody wants to play with James Harden until they figure out what James Harden is. Exactly. So everybody's excited to play with James Harden until CP3 goes over there, and then, okay, boom. Then Melo goes over there, oh, so he's the problem. And then Russell Westbrook, oh, they were buddy-buddy at baseball games, trying to dodge uh, baseballs together, <laughs> everything. And now he wants to get out of Houston. What's the problem? Head coach is gone, boom. What's the problem? James Harden is the problem. Why take him to Brooklyn? They're going to have to give him Kyrie Irving if they want James Harden to Brooklyn. That's not even a fact. That's not even ideal. They're not going to get rid of Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Now you go to the 76ers, which is a better... That could be interesting. It will. Now Ben Simmons goes, I think Tobias Harris goes too, because James Harden is a big ticket. And they pick up more shooters than Danny Green and, and Seth Curry. Yes, so I think that, I mean, going to the 76ers would be a better option for him yeah. because now he could go the one-two punch with Joel Embiid, what he had, what he had with Clint Capella a couple years ago. So That's, that's a contender. That, yeah, I think so. And he'll be out the West because he cannot get over the slump <laughs> of being in the West. So if he goes to the East, might have a, a, a you know possible chance to make yeah. it to the finals. finals. So. And, and I mean, w- w- with Doc Rivers, you know, in that in that situation, then Daryl Morey, like, do you feel as though Doc Rivers could like he he had to manage a situation in Paul George and Kawhi where there just wasn't the same type of chemistry that he would have you know imagined and most people expected. Like, do you feel as though with what Doc Rivers has been able to do that he would kind of even be able to handle um, a one two punch up Harden and Embiid even in a better manner than what what he wasn't able to do with the Clippers? No, 
No, yeah. no, no, no. It's it's crazy to think about this. The, it's not the coach's job to build chemistry. Yeah, that's true. It's, I, that's what I believe. I don't think it's the coach's job to build chemistry. It's just to manage these players. That's my job. I'm managing. I'm making sure we got the plays. I'm putting the right people together. But the chemistry is up to the individual guys. So mm-hmm. Ka- Ka- Kawhi and Paul George not have a chemistry, that's their fault. That's Kawhi's fault living eons away and not showing up to games and practices on time. <laughs> that's his fault. Joel and B, Ben Simmons, those guys not having that chemistry. That's their fault. So I don't think with James Harden coming over there, he already, has, he already has a mentality. I don't see him changes his mentality just to win a championship. He's right. going to be James Harden regardless. So a different area code, a different state, different city won't change James Harden's mentality. He's still, I want, I want to be the guy. I'm going to ISO 95% of the time, step back, step back, shoot, 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 like I'm playing a video game. <laughs> but yeah, no area code or city, state, whatever country is going to change his mentality. Yeah, for sure. And it's yeah. up to them to build chemistry. Definitely. And, and I mean, with all the free agency news that, that's been happening, um, Serge Ibaka goes to the Clippers for a two-year yeah, deal. Yeah, that's Trist- good. That's good. Yeah, Tristan Thompson to the Celtics. Um, Hayward uh, to the Hornets. Even Jeff Teague to Boston. Like, there have been – Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell to the Lakers. Ha- has there been, like, a, a one or maybe a couple um, new destinations that have kind of stood out to you so far? Montrez going to the Lakers. Yeah. Never thought of that was That was big. He's – ooh, that's the sixth man of the year, right? Huge. Yeah. <sighs> They needed that bruiser. Dwight Howard goes and Dennis to... Schro- and Dennis Schroeder was the runner-up for six men of the year. True. So they got two good supporting cast guys. Both are dogs. Both mm-hmm. side of... Front court, back court. They can contribute. Oh, yeah. Coming off the bench, starting five. Lakers have won so yeah, far. they've won the offseason. So far, yeah. For sure. It's crazy. But no, I love Ibaka coming to the Clippers. I think he's That's a good solid. option. He's not Montrez, but I think it's I think it's a good option. Um, I think he'll from the three. Yeah, he can. I think he's one of those guys who can play with anybody. So he'll be perfect with Patrick Beverly um <laughs> in his shenanigans. <laughs> Talk about a reaction on Twitter when you find out. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> huh? What's Huh? <laughs> but I like that. I, I like the direction they're going. I, w- I wonder what... Uh, and even Kobe, I have said he, he still wants another guard. So I'm, I'm wondering if, if they're... I still feel as though they're going to make at least one more move because the decision-making in, in, in the late games for, for, for against Denver, just it wasn't... They are substantial. Obviously, Patrick Beverly is going to be a great defender, but I think they right. even need one that can even be like more of a scorer as well. Yeah. Um. Ooh. Ooh, Maybe Oladipo. Tough. Maybe Oladipo. I don't think they'll give up. Yeah, Oladipo. I don't think Oladipo. The, what would what who they'll send? That's the they'll thing. Who, who, back to the Pacers. Oh, <laughs> no. that, would, that would be cold. That would be cold blooded. No, no, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> he might retire. He might retire if he does that. The one, um, the, the one, uh, like kind of a one. The, the one player they were going after before was Chris Paul as a guard, and that's that's the only other guard I felt as though would probably work with just the decision making and facilitating, but. Even then, right. still, like they're just you have to think about what you're going to give up. Mm. Put Lou Wills at the point. No, 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 no. Mm. That's not a good idea. No, that's not a good idea. He's not a point guard. Malcolm I mean, Brogdon? Is he still with? Uh, he's still with the, the Pacers. Oh, he's with the Pacers. Yeah, but he went to the Nuggets. He, he may have. I don't know. I thought mm. when he was uh, he was with because uh, I know last year he was Milwaukee. with the Pacers. He, he might he, be with the. Yeah, he was with the Pacers from Milwaukee. So he probably still with the Pacers. I always thought he was with the Nuggets for some reason. Possibly, bro. Mm, I don't know. That's tough. Yeah, that goes with PG and Kawhi, and we're starting to see a bit of Kawhi's Westcom. Like he's not the mild man. He's vocal. When he wants something, he's going to talk. <laughs> I, the We're bubble, the, the whole collide. bubble situation. Yeah, the whole bubble situation. He didn't get the ball. He was like, <sighs> he's a prima donna. Now yeah. we're seeing it. We thought We're he was there. just this, yeah, mild mannered guy, you know, stick to himself. Nah, the guys, yeah. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. See what the, the uh, Spurs were talking about. <laughs> and, and, and now just listening to just favorite pick from the NBA draft. Um, To me, it was Tyrese um, Halberton as. He was, you know, the 12th pick from from the um, Sacramento Kings from Iowa State, and he's such an uber-efficient scorer who doesn't take bad shots or turn the ball over. And 
accumulates many defensive stats and how he'll fit with De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald, you know, should be a natural fit as he doesn't need to take um, a lot of shots to impact the game. Um, but, but to you, kind of like what was your favorite pick from this draft? Give me LaMelo Ball. Uh-oh. Give me oh, brother. LaMelo Ball. I love the pick because Rozier is not the guy. He's close, but he's not the guy. Not I think LaMelo, him getting that growth spurs now, he's like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, he has great vision. He's a facilitator. He's a scorer. He plays good, decent defense. He's an all-around guy for court, backcourt. The only thing I think he's going to miss, but he'll get, is being a leader. I don't think they want him to be a leader. I think they want him to be, bring people to the, to the, to the stadium, to the, the mm-hmm. arena, yeah. and then yeah, be, yeah, be a main attraction. Yeah, be himself. I think that's what Michael Jordan, a lot of people don't praise Michael Jordan on his recruiting and scouting abilities. Uh, yeah, I'll give you that. But I think this was a good pick, a little mellow ball. Uh, I want to see what he does. And um, it's no big distractions in Charlotte. So it'll be all basketball. This is a really good spot for him because like like you said, like it's just it's just straight, it's just straight basketball. The, yeah. the, the, there's there's no surrounding elements. There's no like um, you know, big type of pool that's going to keep him away from just what he's there to do. Right now, yeah, I, I think they don't. I don't think they want to be a leader right off the back. I think they just want him to be him because he's to himself. Like he has the, he doesn't have the personality of being a vocal leader. Like he's more so of, of the guy that's going to be to himself, as Lonzo was as well. Right, and I think he'll be better. I think he'll have a better impact than Lonzo did for sure. He's better than Lonzo for sure, for sure. He's the best. He, he's the better uh, ball. Best ball brother. Yeah. For sure. For sure. His range is crazy. Yeah. And the the crazy part, he grew, like, not even just, like, height-wise, but, like, as a basketball player from Spire to going to the overseas and playing uh, multiple times. You see the growth in who he is as a basketball player. And that 6'7 frame doesn't, you know, hurt anyways. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's like he's, he's a freak now. He's a freak of nature now. Now, just put everything together. I want to see how he does in the NBA. I think he's with a good team. You get mentored by Michael Jordan. Then you get mentored by your dad, LeVar, for all the years, whatever, whatever. No distractions. They have a pretty good, decent basketball team. It's a great Mm. position for him. Yeah, I think that was a good It really is. Yeah, for sure. Um, And now transitioning to the NFL with the Cardinals changes to win the NFC East. In, in, in NFC West, uh, hopefully, <laughs> I don't know who's going to win the NFC East, but that, that's <laughs> nah, a <different> does <laughs> and, and the, the importance of just Kyler Murray's uh, play going forward. Um, and this past Thursday night, Seattle um, won by seven as their defense was um, the difference maker in, in their rematch. And the Seahawks also cut down the big plays of Arizona and held them to 314 yards, um, a season low for them, which included a safety and fourth down um, sack to seal the game. Um, but what are your thoughts on how Arizona just wasn't able to have their usual electric offensive performance from Kyler Murray and also how they're positioned in this high division? I think when you play your division rival or just anybody in division, I think it's extremely difficult because now we've seen you twice. We're going to see you twice. We're going to adjust. Other teams don't have that opportunity. They don't have it have at the halftime. And, you know, periodically through the game to adjust who you are and what type of, you know, what you're doing. Now I already seen you, already played you. Now I know what to expect. And I think it was harder for them. And Seahawks has a great defense. They have a lot of injuries in the secondary, but they have a great defense, um, great front seven. Man, those guys are clicking. And then when you have Russell Wilson, man, it's it's extremely difficult to beat Russell Wilson, even if he's having an okay game. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was just, everything was just working for him. And then the secondary, Patrick Peterson, wasn't he didn't look like himself. It was just like everything was off about the Cardinals. I mean, they only lost by a touchdown, but it just seems stuff was off. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I mean, also, you, you have a team like the Rams who, you, you know, they're gaining momentum as well. They have a big Monday night um, game tomorrow against the, the, the Buccaneers. In, in terms of a matchup like that and what, you, and what you're kind of expecting to see, because sometimes with Tampa Bay, we get a different – a different type of team where, you know, they can, you know, uh, dominate a Packers team, but then also just get demolished by the Saints. Uh, Do you have, like, any early thoughts on that type of matchup and just the importance of that for the Rams in this division? Buccaneers. I don't – sometimes it baffles me. Like you just said, one one game you blow my Packers out, but, like (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> Gosh, and then you get blown out by the Saints. It's just like it's an uphill battle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
uh, one one day Mike Evans is fully fully healthy, and then the other thing he's battling leg injury. It's like it's so many moving factors with the Buccaneers for the Rams' purposes. They need this win. They have to be perfect because this yeah. is the first time in a long time the NFC West has been really really good. All four teams, even San Francisco, I think still was pretty good this year until they okay. you know battled battled those injuries. But now you have Seattle 73, Rams right behind them. Arizona kind of pulled back because they lost to the um, Seahawks. To, to Seahawks. So it's just like everything, everybody has to be perfect. If you're not perfect, you're not going to make the um, the playoff picture. As simple as that. And I'm still not a fan of Jared Goff. I think he's he's a he's a folly. Um, they paid him a lot of money to be a folly. <laughs> but I think they do have the weapons around him that are like, you know, kind of douse it down a, a little bit. Especially that defense. They spent a lot of money on their defense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now interesting to the Ravens setbacks and and kind of when this will become a major concern. Um, their past Sunday night, six point loss to the Patriots with a less than stellar offensive output. Um, as they've you know, never scored fewer than 20 points in the regular season in 2019. And also, you know, who they lost you stands out as well, even though New England is, is a just a tried and true championship team in recent memory. Um, heading into this game, they were three and five in the 31st ranked um defense by DVOA. Um, overall, even though Lamar Jackson was 24 of 34 for, with 249 yards, they just found the end zone twice, and the offense looks sluggish and kind of out of sync at times. Um, but kind of like, what are your thoughts on the Ravens' offensive struggles, especially in primetime games, and just how they can turn it around against competitive teams? Um, this, especially today against Tennessee, and also Thanksgiving night against the undefeated Steelers. I have a, a couple issues with uh, not just Lamar, but the entire Ravens' offense. So this is a crazy stat, right? They're first in rushing, 164. They average 164 yards. And mm-hmm. then they're 30th in the NFL in passing at 198 yards. How That's insane. You run, they run a lot, to yeah. be honest. But their offense is so predictable, especially if you play guys multiple times throughout this year. They're going to they're gonna catch what you're doing, even that's though you have Jackson. That's what Lamar Jackson saying on the Rich Eisen, Eisen show that that – opposing players are calling out the plays that they're 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 going to run for sure i think now you you draft hollywood okay cool you draft the jk jk dobbins Mm -hmm. cool but you don't hollywood is not a number one receiver yet and then i think they have to give lamar the opportunity to be a bigger quarterback right because he's still growing. He's still inaccurate sometimes. He still doesn't read through progressions, but give him the opportunity to do so. Give him more weapons instead of running backs. You have a plethora of running backs. For what? To be number one and be 30th in, in the passing and everybody knows what you do. They're going to stack the box. Oh, you're going to do a, a go route, play action route with Hollywood. Okay, we're going to put two mans over top. So it's it's super easy for a defensive coordinator. Yeah. Now this is a crazy, another crazy stat. Defensive coordinators normally are afraid of mobile quarterbacks, but now that they know that <laughs> the Ravens are so one-dimensional, it's easy. It's like, oh, yeah, we got the Ravens. Okay, cool. We're going to stack the box. We're going to want two, uh, two safeties over top. We're going to play inside. We're not We're not going to get beat deep. We're going to make them beat us with their running game. Yeah. The, and, 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 and that's and that, that's the biggest thing because from last year, we were expecting them, especially against the loss against the, the Titans, to just kind of, really make this second type of push. And even though like Lamar right. Jackson, like through his first 30 games has, has, has had many, as many wins uh, as Dan Marino had in, in the regular season, in terms mm-hmm. of just like the criticism that he gets, do you think it's mainly because we're just kind of, we see progression but at the same time, but like you said, he's a young quarterback and he's still kind of going through just the midst of like what he can actually get to um, even, even in, even in just so early in his career as there's still offensive struggles that they're going through. I think it's OC and the and, and Harbaugh's fault, to be honest with you. Give him the opportunity to fail. Open up the playbook a little bit. Yeah. Give him the opportunity to fail. A lot of people are uh, comparing him to Robert Griffin III. He's just a, a upgraded Robert Griffin III. And I used to hate that comparison, but now I'm like, kind of seen it. Uh, yeah, it kind of seems that way. Because they didn't really open a book, uh, playbook up for uh, Robert. Mm-hmm. I will say Robert more, is more accurate than Lamar was. He has a bigger arm than Lamar. But Lamar is a freak, freakish athlete, but give him the opportunity to be that type of quarterback. And I don't think they gave him the opportunity. I don't think he, they think he can handle it. And that's going to be their downfall. That's why people stack the box on him. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, now, listening to, to a couple of our music reviews, 
um, Nav's emergency uh, tsunami um, was was uh, recently dropped and he already dropped good intentions. And with this project, there wasn't much hype around it. In his collaboration with the extremely um, famous producer Weezy, one of the best producers in the mainstream industry, um, has also features of uh, Gunna, Young Thug, and 21 Savage. Um, emergency tsunami highlights what Nav's strengths are as, you know, there's just also so many ambitious beats, and some of the examples are a cinematic intro in Friends and Family, um, an upbeat track in Venom and Socks with one of the most just effortless flows um, he's given, and um, even Repercussions, which was um, just tailor-made for Young Thug. This album was really one where Nav has never sounded more sure of himself, but um, kind of like what were your overall thoughts on this collaboration um, Nav had with Weezy and just how overall his sound and flow um, was able to be delivered here? I didn't even know who this guy was, bro. <laughs> to be completely honest with you, he's from Canada. Canada, yeah. okay. the six. That's cool. Yeah, he looks like Drake. <laughs> Want to be Drake, huh? <laughs> you know, I didn't make it past the first four songs, bro. Oof. Yeah, well, the first one I think is breaking news intro. Uh, shoot, friends and family, and like I forgot the other two. Uh, nasty. I actually like yeah. nasty, but I didn't. I didn't get past it. I was like, mm, okay, well, who's this guy? I don't. Know. <laughs> I gave you four songs, dude. Like, I mean, I I, I don't know. His flow is. I just. There I don't is know. A monotone I was, I was, element to his voice. <laughs> just it's really old after. A while. I wasn't impressed. <laughs> I was not impressed. One well, when I saw this on the the list of topics, I was like, who's who's not? <laughs> like, who's that? Uh, okay. Uh, let's let's go find him. Uh, let's go let's listen to his uh, his music. And then I was like, Wellington. I'm thinking about like, okay, Wellington, we're just doing anything <laughs> these days. Huh? <laughs> nah, I'm joking, bro. I'm joking, but no, I'm serious. Uh, <laughs> was it, was it, no, man, was I didn't it just know who kind he of was. the because like a lot of times with these reviews, we we can kind of click from the beginning and the jump. Was it just one of those things where you just kind of really couldn't mesh with what? his sound was to you in terms of what you heard so far? I didn't, I didn't like the sound. I mean, the lyrics are straight, like for uh, for this one, to riches from rags, I just believing myself, somehow I made it out the block. Whoa, I hit the road, spent 20 clip minimum every time I want to shop. Actually, that's trash. Yeah, that's kind of a trash uh, line. Yeah, I, my mom might just do another pair of some shit I already got. Well, okay, yeah, no, I see why I didn't get the for so Yeah, I literally try to give him like praise. I'm more like... I went to Genius to look at his lyrics, like so I could really like yeah, see. Like, his I'm, I'm I was like, praise, oh, man. I'm giving you some praise. Nah, I can't do it. <laughs> and when he was like, oh, yeah, that was not a good one. <laughs> Even looking back at it, listening to that, I was just like, yeah, it's kind of trash. I thought the what production, like, I thought the production was, to me, like, even um, me and Maurice were talking about, it, the production to me really stood out for this mm-hmm. one, that it wasn't so much Nob. I think the production was what really carried this project because Nob to me isn't like one an artist I listen to you know, much of, but I think we just, we just production right. on this was pretty solid, which made this an okay project. Not obviously, you know, not a great project. Weezy out of here. Yeah. I like saying that. <laughs> no, no, Weezy a great yes. producer, bro. Like he's, he's top notch producer. And I love his call. Like he's like, Weezy out of here. That's hard, bro. That and, is and really I mean, hard. The best thing. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, like even for that, like, like, is there certain points where, as you said, like, because this project wasn't one that you liked as much, is, is there just certain points where even a producer like him and what he's and what he was able to do just it wasn't even kind of even able to even carry a project to even kind of like being a listenable one when you can go back to? Right. I think so. To to go off that, which is the question you just posed, I think it's, it's a lot of people going back and forth. Like, do you prefer production mm-hmm. over bars? And you have to prefer bars because the production can be outstanding. Right. Point A right here, right? And then the bars just kill the entire song. The hook kills the entire song. The production is important, but if the rapper or singer or anybody don't like bring it, it's not going to be cohesive and it's going to sound mm. trash. It's going to be a good bop, a good beat. And then be like, well, I didn't really like that because he wasn't talking about anything. His, his flow was trash. Like, mm, okay, whatever. So I think with even with the production, like you, Nob had right. to come with it because Weezy out of here is a great producer. So if I'm trying to get a great producer to produce my album, I got to put mm-hmm. something out there <laughs> that's worth listening to it over and over. And this isn't it. Yeah. 
And you could tell his highest stream song was like uh, 52 with Little Baby because it yeah, was exactly. Little Baby the on the track. So, yeah. So everything else was like, mm. yeah, for sure. And, and, and after listening to our last album review, um, Ty Dolla Signs, um, featuring a Ty Dolla Sign review, and, and just kind of like the overall thoughts on, on, on this project, um, with multiple features being a longer one. Um, you know, this was released this past October, and he tries to place his mastery over 25 songs. Um, has a wide ranging um list of guests, and he's um more of a conductor compared to a curator in this one. And the songs are all intentionally placed together in terms of the A list um. Guests that are on them like uh, Janae Aiko, uh, Kalani, Roddy Rich, and Post Malone. Um, but you've got songs like Track Six and featured with um, Thundercat, Anderson Pac, and, and uh, Kanye. This feature in- included just an amazing ricketing bass. Also, Double R with Lil Durk having a pulse drum pattern. And then finally, Universe with Kalani, where her harmonies are just, you know, always an amazing compliment to any track. Um, but kind of like, what were your thoughts on this longer project where we all know he's one of the best features any artist can have? And also, just kind of what particular feature. I'm um, click the most to you in this one. So I really, I really love the concept of his album, yeah. like featuring Ty Dolla Sign because everybody was like, well, "You better on a feature." You're like regular music is not that good. And this album really <laughs> showed that he's not a good standout artist without being on a feature. Um, <laughs> like it, re- like his features yeah. were like really dope, but it's just like wasn't music like stuck. It wasn't like. Something that like attached itself to my like my eardrums, like yo, and it whispered, "You have to listen to this over." <laughs> it wasn't like it wasn't that, bro. It, I love I love him having Nikki. Nikki came out of you know, yeah, came out of retirement, whatever you want to call it. I like the Big Sean feature, Roddy Rich and Mustard feature was like. Mm, I love the Janae Aiko um, feature was dope. The other songs that. Yeah, no, for it's sure. About- Anything with Janae Aiko, she could be singing Peanut Butter and Jelly and I would sit there and listen for <laughs> She for still got one of the most listened to she- albums that I have this year. I still go back and listen to uh, Chilombo. Still one of the, the top, top few. Chilombo was fire. Fire. Talking about she Man. is aggressive. Get out of here, Joe Budden. Crazy. But- I know, but what's the I mean- <laughs> Oh, good. I will, I, will, I will give Joe this credit. Joe, even I, I listened to his podcast. He said that views when he goes back and listened to it, it was an amazing project. He 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 judged it too 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 quickly. Judge it too quickly. Have to give it time. Yes. and he said he, he thinks Certified Lover Boy is going to be amazing. So so Joe has, has turned the corner. He, he's not the same critic that he once was. But you know what's crazy about that though? That's what yeah, Drake said. Drake said my music is going to take time. Like it's like. Staying a test of time, like you will go back and like, yo, this actually was a dope app. Yes. Views was like dope. He gave us so much. People just views wanted to find a bad project and like, you can't find one. That was the one they wanted to nitpick. You can't. You you might can get away with Scorpions, like ah, Scorpion wasn't as mm, it was certain songs that were just like, yeah, okay, exactly. whatever. He just put these on here. But everything else, even the the last Darkling project, like the throwaway project, that went, that. that went double platinum. Oh, double platinum. January is coming, y'all. January is coming. Be patient. Yes. And he's dropping something on the 18th. A Nike collaboration and probably a second single. I think so. I hope so. And then he's thinking oh, uh, towards ACL again. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the pictures? Like he's in the bed. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a bar. <laughs> Did you? Did you? Did you tear your ACL again? Like, no. what, what's going on, man? Like, did you in your own personalized gym, bro? Bro, <laughs> I'm just like, Savon, would you, would you, if you had a personalized gym, would you, after the first time, would you be like, I'm just not gonna play anymore? I'm just not gonna play. I'm just gonna watch y'all play. <laughs> he has to go back. No, he has to go back, bro. He has to go back. He paid for it. Like, I'm not gonna not use something I didn't pay, you know, pay for it. It's I hope it wasn't as oh, funny goodness. as his first ACL tour where he like tripped over the speaker and then little Wayne started laughing at him. He's like, This this man can't catch a break. He really oh, tore his ACL on stage. It doesn't get talked I don't think about it enough. It gets talked about we enough. Like, it. He literally tore his ACL. Yeah. Oh my gosh, on a speaker. Yeah. Um, but, but but just in terms of this um, uh, of this project and, and just the, the the features, like as you were saying, you feel as though kind of like there were some that were 
maybe more relevant than others and then other ones that just were still standouts? Yeah, I, I like Lift Me Up. Um, By Yourself was, was really dope. dope. I like how you brought Music Soul Child. That was really dope. I, I mean, they were dope features, but they weren't songs that literally I will like put on repeat over and over. I don't think I ever did that with uh, Todd Alessandro's music. He's like really good He's meant with to be a feature. He's meant to be a feature artist. Featuring Todd Alessandro. He should have had a song featuring Todd Alessandro, Todd Alessandro, featuring Todd Alessandro. <laughs> and then had somebody else on that song. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. You should have even been to stand out in that song just like, hey, this is going to be your song. It's going to be featured on <laughs> Literally, on my own album. <laughs> this like it wasn't it wasn't nothing like okay, it was it was a good 30,000 songs, but I mean it wasn't like one of those albums you like you just play over and over. It was okay. And I just think longer projects just still don't work. I think 1617 is just a better is a better number, especially yeah. in today's age. I, I don't think people have the just kind of the stamina to, to listen to that type of project. It has to be fire for somebody to do that. Yeah. It, it has to be from beginning to end. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our seven review. Welcome back to the show. And now we're getting into our seven review. And to start off with the overview, seven is a 1995 neo-noir psychological crime thriller um, film directed by David Fincher and written by Andrew Kevin Walker, um, starring Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kevin Spacey, Arlie, um, Ermy and John C. McGinley. This film was about the story of David Mills, a detective who partners with the retiring William Somerset to track down a serial killer who uses the seven deadly sins as a motif in his murders. I had a budget of $33 million and also brought in $327.3 million in the box, $327.3 million in the box office and had an 82% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It was also nominated for Best Film Editing at the 68th Academy Awards, losing to Apollo 13. Um, but, but kind of like, what were your initial thoughts of the film as it had a dark style brutality and theme with such a haunting finale? Because like sometimes with, with with films like when they are darker, and you know you 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 don't have it's not the traditional type of film. Just kind of like, what are your thoughts on just a film that is darker and doesn't have like the traditional ending that most films do? <laughs> well, until you know why I'm laughing. I know where um, you're <laughs> Okay, all right. Disclaimer, ladies and gents, because yeah. I'm a I'm a bad uh, co-host. I've never watched <laughs> this film, so we're going to wing it. So by looking at the trailer, <laughs> <laughs> it looks really good. Looks really good, man. It looks no, no. Um, gosh, man, I really cannot wing this. Okay, so just to start it, oh, Willington, I'm drowning. Save me. <laughs> I mean, it just like let's take it from this perspective. Brad Pitt in his younger years with 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 an older actor like Morgan Freeman. In terms of just like, I mean, obviously you, you haven't seen it, but when you have a younger star paired up with that, like, what are just kind of your initial expectations of of a film that's going to be like in, in that type of manner? I think when, when you when you have an older actor and a younger actor, that's like you know, Morgan Freeman was already solidified. Brad Pitt was getting into that era of being solidified. Yeah. Most actors try to do too much to make up the gap for, you know, for resume or just like talent wise. But I, I don't think from the trailer and, and like other little snippet videos I just watched while you were talking um, <laughs> on YouTube, <laughs> it seems like everything like it gelled well that Brad Pitt wasn't trying to do too much. And he really, do, and, you know, indulge in the character. But a lot of people, a lot of actors will try to do that just because like, um, for for instance, you look at the Joker. Um, yeah, with, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, because you mm -hmm. got uh, uh, Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro, thank you so much, Robert De Niro. And it was just like, Zazie Beats. Zazie, not, just not Zazie. <laughs> I'm joking. I know how much you. I know how much you mentioned Zazie. Zazie Beats. That's so funny. I, I just like my brain was like, yeah, okay, yeah. But no, just like how that relationship ended after the Joker movie because he was doing too much. He was so inconsistent. They have like fifty takes of different the same scene. It was just right. a lot, and you know, people do too much. I mean, it worked out because Joker was a good film, but. For, for this purpose, I think Brad Pitt did what he was designed to do for this role, and I think it was really good. From the trailers and little snippets of what I saw on YouTube. <laughs> Transparency. 
Um, but but transitioning to our first topic from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, to, to me, I would give it four. As this was such a s- sophisticated thriller and the open-ended version of grisly imagery with a psychological fabric fabrication, just um, excellent, excellently executed. But in terms of like what your expectations be from what you saw, I mean from from the trailers that that you saw, like what would you think? Um, you know, before you see this, hopefully you see this one day. Hopefully next week you, you watch it and, and you can, you can tell us what your thoughts are afterwards. But what, what would kind of your expectations be for like what this film would be from one to four stars? Um, obviously with not even seeing it. It has to be four stars. Yeah, it has to be four stars because it has some heavy hitters in it. Brad exactly. Pitt, Morgan Freeman, um, uh, Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey, uh, Gwen Petrol. All like the list goes on. But my biggest concern is what did Rotten Tomato give it? Eighty two percent. That's blasphemy. It's not a four stars. It's two stars. Because Rotten <laughs> Every time Rotten Tomatoes give throw, throw it out the window. Throw the ratings out the window. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no I'll, I'll, you know, from the trailer and from the snippets that I've got from the other videos and just the cast alone, it looks like a great film. It's a fantastic Morgan cast. Freeman, Morgan Freeman hair is not completely all gray yeah he has still has some black in there and just like still a mixture fighting, still fighting yeah, for still black. fighting for the, the pigment <laughs> not to change but <laughs> <laughs> um but transitioning to, to favorite character um for me it was detective william somerset played by morgan freeman um you know even though he's the main protagonist of this film and an aging cynical man on um, he still has this solidified ideology of the fact that crime is natural and there's temporary good um who would you um estimate to be your favorite character looking at at the cast um, and, and what you saw so far. I love that, Wellington. Who do you estimate? Yeah, who would you estimate, man? Come on. Because I did see I'm, I'm having to, to swing it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're older like Blue Bonnet, bro. Like, you're really <laughs> older. You're a trooper. But I anticipate Brad Pitt, who's his meals mm. being Young my Pitt. favorite. Yeah. You know, just, just off of... Um, Oh no 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 no! Wellington, I have seen this a uh, bits and pieces. What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> What's in the box? And that's so funny. I saw that on uh ah. Uh, What's the six second thing uh that used to vine? So I have seen bits and pieces of this movie. What's in the box? What's, What's in, in the, the box? box? <laughs> <laughs> The the one of the most iconic lines to an end of, ending film. I mean, if you didn't if you didn't know seven like that, that's a scene that's been showed just so many times, even in snippets. Um, but transitioning to, to most memorable scenes, um, first I had the sloth victim where Detective Mills and Somerset um, discover an emaciated shut in the victim of prolonged torture. Also apathy where Somerset becomes the apathy of the world, bemoans the apathy of the world. John Doe surrenders where John Doe strolls into the police station to turn himself into Mills and Somerset. Um, setting the example, uh, John Doe explains himself to Mills and Somerset about his criminal motivations. And finally, vengeance and wrath were over Somerset, Somerset's objections. Mills um, kills John Doe for murdering his wife. I mean, obviously, we we're talking about the the, the last scene with, with right. what's in the box. That obviously stands out to you. Of, any ones of, of the ones that I mentioned and even the what's in the box scene, which one do you think will kind of be the one that would like stand out to you? If like, I know it's, it's at the end of the movie, but what's in the box? Really Sorry. like... It's funny without being funny. It's like, what's right. in the box? What's in, what's in the box? Like, he's really upset. Like, yo, what's in the box? You got to tell him what's in the box. Yeah, you got to know. But I mean, I mean, since I haven't, I feel so bad, Wellington, right now. Nah, I man. That's the best scene. It's got to be. It's, 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 to me, even looking through, even all the scenes I mentioned, that's the best scene because there's the, the, the climax of it and the finality of it um, and him not knowing um, what actually happened and, and, and Somerset. Um, telling him to just not to be cautious and, and not give in to what um, Spacey wanted for, for for the end result, which, which was just an, an amazing type of scene. Um, transitioning to most memorable quotes, um, I have "You're No Messiah" from David Mills. Any any time, um, anyone who spends a significant a significant amount of time with me finds me disagreeable. From William Somerset, the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part from Somerset. Um, it's more comfortable for you to label me as insane from John yeah. Doe. Uh, what's in the box, David Mills. It's impressive to see a man feeding off his emotions from Somerset. Um, the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part from Somerset ending the film was a really interesting line to me because he 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 knew he could see just the depravity and what was going on. He didn't want to even stay in the profession that he was in, but he felt as though like 
I still have to fight for 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 what's good in society. Um, from from those quotes, kind of which one stands out to you the most? So it's two, what's in the box, of course. I'm just gonna get that, but it's also a line that he said, um, you're no messiah, you're a, mm-hmm. a movie of the week, you're an effing t-shirt at best. Mm. That you know how crazy. <laughs> that's some cojones to tell him you're not a messiah. <laughs> You're the week. You're a t-shirt at best. Yikes! That's cold blooded. That's cold blooded right there. Yeah, and, and, and I mean all these. Just just with, with the quotes that were the, the quotes that were mentioned. There, there's just so much in terms of just depicting and trying to get at the heart of what's wrong in society. And I feel like feel as though even a line like that, where there's just a cold bloodedness to it. There's so much of that element in this type of film. Um. But transitioning to what did you like the most about the storyline, um, how the element of redemption is mixed in, um, you know, as Somerset falls into a certain apathy and doesn't even want to stay in the profession he's in at the beginning of the film, but at the end realizes it's worth living in and fighting for and that this is, is existence is the only one he can experience. Um, just kind of like, what are your projections on what do you think you would like the most about the storyline as it is a darker film and just, there's just a certain nuance and psychological psychological element on what's good and wrong in society. You know, this reminds me of, not, oh, why did the first thing come in my head was Goodwill Hunting? Not Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> um, the one with Hannibal Lecter. Right? Oh, Silence of the Lambs. I yeah, should have yeah. that one. This reminds me of that, like the storyline and trying to find a serial killer, the, well, the first the first movie, obviously. and um, But I think it's a, a different twist with Kevin Spacey uh, being the, 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 the villain or what do you want to say? I like your storyline. I love storylines that have to go get serial killers because serial killers are actually really, really smart and very intuitive mm-hmm. in the surroundings. So you have to be a great detective to try to catch catch those guys. But I love those type of films that like keep me on my toes. Like not the what's the Inception? Oh, that didn't yeah. keep me on my toes. That oh, sat me down. Inception and my slander. Closed down and uh, <laughs> went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, but, but I mean, but before we transition to our last topic, you know, we always talk about certain actors that are just, you know, highlights in these films. Like we, we've mentioned Brad Pitt before in Fight Club and, and the career that he's had with Morgan Freeman. He's had just so many um, star studded type of roles, um, especially in this one, the, the Shawshank Redemption as well. Um, you know, you, you look at the Dark Knight franchise he, he, he was a part of. Um, there's just so many types of even a couple of films with Ashley Judd. Um, you know, th- there's so many types of films you can pinpoint and just look at how just his long, um, you know, star-studded type of career. Um, kind of what are your thoughts on just the season elements he's had in his career and what he was, you know, even able to do, e- even what he's able to, to do now as he's still a relevant actor? Living legend goes back to Driving Miss Daisy. Mm-hmm. It goes back to just, I mean, Million Dollar Baby. Yeah, um, oh yeah, I forgot to mention that one, yeah. Uh, what's the movie? He was a a principal. Lean on me. Mm-hmm. Like his his catalog is insane. From funny movies to Ted, Ted Two. Like it's <laughs> like he has that range, but we still know it's Morgan Freeman because he has that you know solidified solidified distinguished voice that he has. So I mean, he's a living legend, man. From from beginning to yeah, end, goes without saying. Yeah, I think the what the I can't remember what his last movie was. It was like the Grandpa's or something like that. He was. Yeah, yeah, something like I don't know. It was, yeah, but uh, I mean, Morgan Freeman is a legend, bro. Like, I still love Bruce Almighty. It was like those like little like subtle roles in Bruce Almighty. Yeah, and um, I mean, it's kind even of- the roles that aren't even what we're used to seeing from him. The fact that he can carry on just even a role like that is just it just shows the the range he has. Right, and then Invictus was really good. He was a good Nelson yes. Mandela. So that was dope too. Pull that off, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm mentioning to ten years from now. Do you still think this will be um? Watchpoint and intriguing. I definitely think it will, as just the psychological elements mixed in with just the stunning ending of what happened. Like when you have a film that has an ending like this, I feel like it's just going to be around for years and years because for a first time viewer, for for somebody who's never seen it, they're going to be able to be like, okay, this one will just always stick with me. And just how did I not see this ending coming? Um, but to you, like just just looking about from from the the elements that you haven't seen from this, and just the even just what you've heard from it. Um, do you feel like this is the type of film, especially with ending, that can just still live on for years and years to be watchable and intriguing? You know what? <laughs> um, I'm going to say yes. Even though I haven't seen the complete film, I'm going to say yes, just mm-hmm. for the cast alone and for the storyline. Because 
a lot of people love mystery mystery movies or like thrillers or something that keeps you on your, you know, what's common. And you always have those one-liners in each movie. What's in the box? I think it's, it's a movie that's watchable. I mean, it's still watchable. We're talking about it. So it has to be a watchable movie for 10 years from now. Came out with 1990. 95. 95. It came out the same year as Heat and um Whoa. The, yeah, it came out the same year as Heat, actually, actually. And, and it it wasn't even nominated for anything. Like like that, the the, the type of not think so. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, j- j- just it, when you and he wasn't even nominated for anything. Like that year, um the unusual subs- suspects as well. Like me and Tyler were talking about it, the fact that that year was a really like pivotal like Oscar type of year, and these two films like Heat, um, and the usual and, and uh, Seven just you know didn't have the type of acclaim that that other films type really got. Which when you look back at it, when you have a star studded year, it's going to be tough to like even get certain recognition. True, and that's that's super crazy though. Like. I don't know. I think when we did the the Heat um, with Aaron movie movie review, I did say it was probably like the timing. What these awards is all about timing, and people don't see the fruition of movies those movies just yet. So, just like with, um, I actually saw Parasite finally. What'd you think? Whoa! Did it? Should it have won? I don't think so. But it was whoa. It was a whoa movie. Bro, what? Oh gosh, <laughs> it was it was good. It was good. I'm not gonna lie, it was good. But I don't think it should. We actually reviewed it. We, we reviewed it, right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. We reviewed it. So, so I mean, yeah. Even certain times, you you see Oscar winners, um, and you know, like like the Irishman, Martin Scorsese. He's been he's been put up for so many t- types of. Uh, and, and it's funny because like we're I think we're coming up on like the one year anniversary of it actually coming out because it came out. The week of Thanksgiving um, on Netflix last year, and just just certain things like when a, a film director is always mentioned for the acclaim, certain times even a later project can can go unnoticed. Right, and the same thing with that's why I mentioned Parasite. At first, I was like, "Man, this movie, ninety nine percent rating around Tomatoes." Mm. Hold up, what? Wait, wait, what? Yeah, it's got ninety nine percent rating around Tomatoes. <laughs> I don't like it anymore. Like every time he <laughs> mentioned Rotten Tomatoes, I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah, let's right. let's not mention it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of oh the I think the one movie that had a, has a 100 rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and I'm gonna let you guess. It's a Christmas movie, a pretty classic Christmas movie. Is it one with the kid with the uh, glasses? A Christmas Tale or not that one? It's actually Home Alone. Is it Home Alone? Okay, okay. Home I, Alone has which sure. I would give. I would. I would. I would I, I would definitely agree with that one. Which one? Home Alone or Home Alone first 2? One. The first one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for sure. For sure. That yeah. movie was... Bonkers. I even like Home Alone 3. I don't like it as much as Home Alone 1 and 2, but 3 is... It was decent. It wasn't bad. Yeah, for sure. Well, that wraps it up for today. I'm your host, Wendell Burns, like my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.